Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Aviators Cafe. Today, I have a current Blue Line CFI, Nick Athens, down the line on Zoom. Nick, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Can't complain. So, Nick, take us back to however long ago it was when the the aviation bug kind of got a hold of you. Oh, man. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, so really, it all started um, with my grandfather. My grandfather was a private instrument rated pilot. Um, man, he's he started flying, I think, back in, I want to say, in the 70s. And he flew uh, just recreational and for work, he would go, he was, um, he ran a business, so he would fly around for meetings and all that. And he flew Moonies most of his life. And uh, when I was um, younger, I'd say probably the age of five, I think is when maybe he took me up for the first time. And, you know, I was just always, I liked any machine really, you know, as a little kid, but planes really caught my eye. And I would just love to sit at the airport with him and, and watch airplanes, look at airplanes. And then, um, you know, it grew to me and him doing trips together. Um, every summer, we try to do at least a couple of trips. Oshkosh was always one of them. So we, we, I think we've done the Oshkosh trip together at least six or seven times. And uh, when I was doing those trips, I never thought about really aviation as a career. I was just into airplanes and into flying and you know, always jumped the opportunity to be able to hop in the airplane with him. Um, but then, you know, uh, people would always ask, Hey, when are you going to get in the left seat? When are you going to get in the left seat? And I was like, Oh, eventually, you know, when I have more money and time, right. Cause that's all aviation is, is money and time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then eventually <clears throat> down the road, I, you know, I was pursuing a medical path. I was in, I went to undergrad at university of Pittsburgh. I was pursuing a pre-medical path. And I graduated from there. I was working in the, in the field for a bit and then applying to medical schools. And finally just kind of hit me. I was just kind of forced myself in this area and not, I wasn't really loving it. So I was like, you know what, maybe instead of just getting my private later in life, when I have money and time, I'll just make a career out of it. And that's kind of when I made the turn. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, also, I've had a couple people where she's like, just had a career change, like midway through their life. Uh, but luckily with you, it's just kind of caught a little earlier. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I definitely spent, I wish I got into earlier than I am. Luckily I'm still young and I'm only 25. So still relatively young, but you know, I see these students now who are like, you know, 18 getting their commercial. I'm like, man, you guys got a, you know, seven year start on me or six year start on me. So, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I see with myself as well as like, even though I'm, 21 i still see people getting their private on like their 17th birthday i'm like yeah i wish that was me though <laughs> yeah oh man come on you're still super young I mean, you can't even get it restricted yet so <laughs> you're you're way ahead of the game <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it is what it is right <laughs> right but, yeah. uh, how did you eventually kind of afford to go th through flight school did you just take out a loan for it or did you just kind of work the um, odd job to pay for it well, originally, um, you know, I was going to take out a loan. Um, and then luckily my, my family ran into, uh, some good fortune selling a business and all that. And my uh, grandfather was actually happy enough and, um, willing to support me through it. Cause he wanted to see me pursue my, my dreams and goals. So yeah, without him, I, you know, I'd be in a, in a deep pit of debt, <laughs> but, uh, luckily I, I had that help and I was able to afford it. 
um, with that. But, you know, they're always prepared to take out that loan and do it that way too. And, you know, it's a lucrative career, so you're able to pay it back, but it just takes a little bit longer to dig yourself out of that pit. Yeah, that, that's definitely a thing that I also see with people who take out loans that it does take them a little while to get going because aviation is expensive. And even if you do everything right the right the first time, you know, and pass all your check check rides on the first attempt that, you know, it still does take them a while to pay it off because there's just so much. Uh, yeah, definitely. Also, the, the fact that, the you know, like any job, you know, you got to start from the bottom and the, uh, you know, the early jobs in any aviation career are, are low paying jobs. I mean, they're awesome. It's great. Yeah. Anytime I can get paid to fly an airplane is yeah. a great day, right? But at the end of the day, you know, when you have, with how much it costs to get all these ratings, right? And all these certificates, um, the the rate of pay at the base level of these aviation jobs, like the CFI or, you know, pipeline patrol or you know, yeah. skydiving ops, it's just, it's not enough to really um, have a living wage and pay off that debt. Yeah. So I think there are some loan programs out there that allow you to, you know, have like a year or two gap um, before you have to start repaying a large amount. Yeah. Uh, that way you that way you can have those, you know, that year or two years to build those hours and, you know, get that, get up to that point in your career where you make it a bit more where you can afford to make those payments and still um, live comfortably. Yeah, that's definitely a, probably something some people might consider as well for if, you know, they, they want to get into aviation, but, you know, don't know how to like, you know, pay themselves, uh, don't have like the cash on hand to do it. Right, right. And uh, so at what point, as you're getting your ratings, did you say, yeah, you know, I want to be a CFI and help like essentially the next generation of pilots be pilots and make uh, your hours at the same time? Um, I think honestly, it was before I even started. Um, you know, I, I just, when I was an undergrad, I, um, I would always would be an assistant teacher for like chem classes and, um, you know, chem one, chem two. And I always kind of enjoyed it. And I figured, you know, there's not really that many ways. I mean, there's, there's ways to do it. If you have good connections, right. You can probably maybe get a, get a gig in a right seat or a part 91 gig or something. Um, but it's tough, you know, those jobs are hard to find, especially when I started my training was during the pandemic, um, yeah. when it was a full bore. So, and I, I had no idea what the future was for aviation. So I figured, you know what, there's always going to be more people who want to learn to fly and, you know, I think I'll enjoy teaching it. And uh, the school I, I did my training at, you know, as long as you did well and proved yourself and, and showed that you were a hardworking, good student, usually would um, be willing to hire you back on. Um, and I figured it'd be a good route. I, you know, I wouldn't have to move as much. I could just stay where I was. And if I get hired back on, I could stay there and continue teaching. And I enjoy the Raleigh area where, where I live. So I was like, you know, it seems like a good idea. So I figured I'd pursue that and it ended up working out for me. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, how did you also actually, now that we're mentioning flight schools, how did you actually go about selecting uh, Blue Line? How did I go about selecting Blue Line? Um, I kind of just lucky, I think. I, I was looking at, you know, like anyone ATP for a while. And I, you know, I, I would have loved to, looking back and I go into like a, like a 141 four-year program. I believe that's what you're incorrect at Embry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's what well, Embry Riddle offers. Um, uh, you know, you, you can do essentially your flying and then like also like a bachelor's on the side as well. 
and you can kind of get your RATP at the same time. Uh, right. Yeah. I think looking back on it, that would be what I would have done, but I already had a four-year degree. So mm-hmm. it wasn't worth it for me to go back and get another yeah. four-year degree. Um, considering the airlines don't really, you know, they don't really care all too much about what you major in as long as you prove that you, you know, put in the work and you were able to, you know, complete a four-year degree. So I, um, you know, that was kind of out the window for me. So I was looking at ATP. I looked at a, a couple other flight schools in Florida, did a discovery flight, a couple of discovery flights down in Fort Myers. Um, and then one, one day I was on YouTube and I was searching videos about ATP and I don't know if you know, Andy Pate, um, from Blue Line. Yeah. Yeah. He does the, he's a social media, um, mm-hmm. pretty much PR guy yeah. now at Blue Line, but, um, he, his video comparison video between ATP and Blue Line popped up on YouTube and I was like, Hmm, Blue Line never heard of this. So I started researching them. Looked pretty cool. Looked more my alley. I liked how it was a bit smaller at the time. Um, more personal brand new diamond da 40 42 mm-hmm. aircraft uh you know uh they offer the training in you know zero to hero in six months atp was advertising nine they offered ground training atp was mostly all on your own ground training um so i like that aspect and i went down and toured there i really got along with everybody who i met in the tour um and I like the area. I think Raleigh's a really, really uh, pretty and, and nice area to live. You still get the seasons and, yeah. but, you know, it's a nice, nice flying weather. And I was like, yeah, this, this will work. So I, you know, I, I knew it was going to be a, a tough go with trying to do all this in six months, but I yeah. packed up, uh, moved from Buffalo, New York down to Raleigh and started last, uh, ended up coming up actually on a year from, from right now. So last end of November, 2020. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you I did know some of your training at Blue Line too, right? Yeah, I did my private at Blue Line, funnily enough. And uh, yeah, I kind of was, when I was trying to fly into flight school, I was kind of like looking in the area. You know, I was looking at some smaller operations that were out of based out of like uncontrolled airports. Um, but the main appeal for me for Blue Line was at a time, you know, they had the, the DA-20s, um, which were at, at a similar like, rental rate as the Cessna 172s that were being offered. Um, but, you know, kind of looking at it better that the maintenance for Blue Line was better. And I kind of got along with the, the CFIs as well that I uh, that I met that worked there at the time. And, uh, yeah, I ended up going with Blue Line, did my private. And, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun, except the weather was just complete shit at the time I was doing my private. <laughs> so like it ended up taking me like a year almost just to get my private. Oh man. So, so were yeah, you doing but, it um, like, uh, you know, as you had free time or are you doing it like full time? Uh, well, I was, I was juggling uh, high school at the time. So I was kind of like trying to do it whenever I had free time. Okay. So, so I was mostly right. restricted to weekends and most weekends in like february march april just oh super shit. windy cloudy yeah <laughs> super windy cloudy just garbage yeah. weather and uh, yeah it ended up taking me almost a year and uh yeah actually fell enough in a few weeks would be my one year anniversary of passing my check ride so wow awesome yeah so yeah uh, yeah there's so you're that. right about you got started a little bit before me then yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can't I, I mean i couldn't imagine being able to fly in high school that had to be awesome yeah, I mean, it's those stores my uh, half, second half of my senior year in high school when I was doing it. Um, but yeah, you know, at a certain point, it was just kind of, you know, kind of fell apart. And then, like, you know, eventually took me a year. And I eventually did it. 
you know, but yeah. And also hey, perseverance, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, I still remember like, you know, going out on my first date, uh, like I literally had printed out my temp uh, for my private and literally just went flying in just before Christmas in 2019. Awesome. So, you know, there we still had like the rush of uh, Christmas and yeah, that was pretty fun. That's an early Christmas present then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was an early Christmas present. Uh, well, actually, it was my Christmas present from my parents. They're like, hey, you, know, you just got your private. Go out and fly a little bit. Oh, that's that's a pretty good Christmas present. I'd take that any day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, that was a few hours that I logged in my flight book. And, you know, uh, you know so yeah. it was a good Christmas present. And it was like about two and a half hours of hop that I can put towards my ATP. So. Awesome. Yeah. So. beat it. So now that you're um, CFI, no regrets about it? Uh, I mean, no. I mean, you know, it's being a CFI is, is a tough job. Um, you know, I thought training was hard mm-hmm. and getting all my ratings in six months. Uh, being a CFI has been a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you got to deal with it. It's extremely rewarding. <laughs> yeah. It's, you spend your day, right? I mean, I teach in the commercial academy, so, you know, I, most of my students are mostly um, at least know how to fly an airplane. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're not trying to kill me as much as maybe a, a brand new student, you know, student pilot, yeah. but um, it's still, you know, it's, it's, it really is amazing how hard it is to try to put into words or help somebody else understand uh, the proper way to do something in a way that they can interpret it um, and, you know, learn from it effectively and you almost kind of have to be like a, almost like a psychologist to your students because there'll just be days where like you know, what you're, you're training and there's nothing, nothing sticking or they're going backwards from where they were right there and they're progressing backwards. And you're like, all right, you know, what's going on now? Like, you know, why are you, you know, feeling good or something going on? Like you kind of have to just work it out of them because in the program that most of my students are in, you know, it's, it's a pretty intense program. You know, it's not just like show up on the weekends and fly when, you know, for a few hours, part 61, it's, you know, 141 is extremely regimented. We have a syllabus we have to follow for every lesson. They have all these timelines where they have to hit, you know, written deadlines. And, um, you know, they're, we're trying to get them, you know, private through literally MEI in six months. It's, it's a lot of flying, yeah. and a lot of training, and a lot of knowledge to, to, to take in, in in six months. So, you know, it's, it's a stressful thing for them. It's stressful for us CFIs because we have a timeline to keep and we want to make sure that we provide, you know, the package that they paid for um, and the training that they paid for at that, you know, advanced rate. So yeah, I'd say a lot of the days are stressful. Do I regret it? No. I mean, I get to, you know, I get, I'm building hours like crazy. I get to fly, you know, over five hours a day, most days, um, you know, five days a week, sometimes six. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, the students are all there, to try and advance their career in aviation and they all want to be career pilots. So we're all kind of in the same mindset. Um, and we all love what we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even the, even the worst days, once you get up in the airplane and, you know, you're up there and you're, you know, you're getting paid to fly around this, you know, beautiful half million dollar airplane every day. And yeah. you get the privilege to teach somebody, um, you know, teach somebody how to do something that you love to do mm-hmm. it. You know, you can't beat it. Yeah. You really can't. Yeah, indeed. It's definitely something that, like, even when I'm flying alone by myself, like, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, so, so amazing just to be up there, just, you know, away from all your problems, essentially. 
Oh yeah, you're just flying right over every everybody else, right? You're king of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, king of the world. But you're in a, you know, at least in my case, a Cessna 172, and whenever I can, you know, diamond. Even though I have a preference for the diamonds, but they're kind of pricey. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, flying a diamond every day is it's. I'm a lucky guy. I mean, yeah. most people don't get to do training in that or get to teach in it, let alone. And yeah. um, man, it's just, it's so fast and controllable and fuel yeah. efficient and yeah, fun yeah. airplane to fly. Yeah. And definitely if you know what you're doing, you know, it's really enjoyable to do. Oh yeah. So, uh, well, essentially now that you're a CFI and you're building your hours, um, what, what what do you see yourself doing in say five or ten years? Do you want to go into freight, or do you like want to hop in a right seat in a regional? Do you want to do a corporate? Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm still debating if I want to, you know, st- be a CFI all the way until I uh, can get my ATP. Um, I'm thinking, you know, potentially, you know, once I build more hours and more experience, and I get up there near maybe the thousand mark of potentially checking out like either maybe getting a 91 gig in the um, it's like a right seat of a part 91 jet or something and try to build, do that or potentially going and doing some skydiving ops, getting some turbine time, flying a little bigger aircraft or something. So that's, I think that would be my first step is trying to, you know, you know, maybe even work for like a company. I don't know if you heard of wheels up, they fly the yeah. PC 12 around and, and yeah. And not sorry, not wheels. Sorry, not wheels up. Um, plain sense. Oh, okay. um, plain sense. They're based out of. They have some. Um, they're all around North Carolina, but potentially doing that because um, you can you can get hired there with about seven hundred fifty hours, mm-hmm. um, and you know trying to just build some real world flying experience, some cross country, yeah. you know, real world um, flying because we I get a lot of cross country time and, and real world experience in the commercial academy, but the end of the day you fly somewhere and you fly back and it's like i want to that experience of doing with like paying customers and and flight planning and and flying in more adverse weather and all that stuff and then i think i would um eventually yes i like to sit right seat in, in the regionals and work my way to the to a main line and i think you know my dream would be to fly international long haul flights passenger yeah carrying airlines so how yeah, about you yeah. yeah for me it's uh, i'm looking more at the freight side um uh, I'm at this weird intersection where uh, since I am doing the RT- RATP program, um, once I hit that uh, thousand hours, you know, I could be right seat in an ATR in a, with mountain air cargo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, mountain air cargo, you know, since they also do a 135 freight, uh, they also take people at 1200 hours for uh, the caravan. So that's some um, thing that uh, I always tell people, like, you know, if you're doing regular ATP, you know, we have your ATP at 1500 hours, consider a 135 gig at some point, uh, mainly because, you know, it's solo, turbine time, IFR, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, get the job done, essentially. So you have to land at some point, you know, you don't want to, you, you know, piss off a bunch of people because their packages didn't arrive on time, you know. Right, so right. That, that's something I always tell people to consider because it's, you know, it, it, you do need hours, but, you know, it's not like you need the full ATP to do it. And yeah. So, you know, and then eventually, obviously, you know, work my way up to like, you know, like a FedEx or a UPS and, you know, obviously fly long haul all around the world, essentially. Yeah. Well, those guys make the big bucks, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Those guys I mean, are definitely the highest paid in the, in the industry for sure. Yeah. I mean, but you got to work some crazy hours. <laughs> yeah, you got to work crazy hours, but, you know, it is rewarding to, you know, be at the controls of, let's say, a 747, you know. Oh, yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, that would be a dream, right? I, I, I don't think, you know, cargo is 100% out, out the window for me, but I, you know, I went into, into medicine. I was interested in that because I like early, like helping people and I like, you know, having an influence on other people's lives. So I think, you know, being able to fly people around, you know, would make me feel a little bit better knowing I'm getting them, you know, maybe to see their family or friend that they haven't seen in a long time or, or see a, uh, you know, a loved one or go on, on a vacation that they've been waiting to take forever. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's more kind of what I want to do, but again, you know, a job to job. So whatever it takes to, you know, be able to do what I love and fly airplanes, you know, and get paid to do it, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's that, that's the kind of crazy world where you live in. And as well with the pandemic and, you know, like all the passenger stuff just being completely shafted, you know, it's just, yeah, it shows how uh, vulnerable the industry is and how cyclical it is. And, you know, yep. to always have like a, some sort of a backup, uh, you know, even though that, uh, you know, flying is what you want to do, but, you know, uh, you always need a backup in case, let's say you lose your medical, you know, that that's a real possibility. Yeah, yeah so, that is a huge, um, you know, obviously a huge worry. I think on the back of most pilots minds who are trying to pursue this as a career, because, you know, it's so, you never know what could happen. And, you know, you spend all this time building these hours and, and all this time learning and, you know, building your skills and, you know, it could just be ripped away from you so easily, especially with the, you know, the whole issue with, the FAA right now and, and the way they treat mental illness, it's like, who knows, you know, what could happen to you and God forbid you have, you know, maybe you get anxiety or depression and you're no longer able to fly commercially. It's a pretty scary thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it could be, you know, ripped away from you. And, you know, um, also a fun thing that I learned from doing my first episode of this podcast is that uh, your ATP written and your dispatch written are very similar so you can essentially do the dispatch written to practice for your atp written and like that interesting and like that if you uh, when you pass the uh, written for your dispatch you can automatically get a dispatch as well and you can say to the testing center hey pass me the atp you know what i'm saying and then you can just knock it out as well and then like that you know if God forbid you lose your medical and at the same airline you're working at, they have dispatch position open. You know, you can move straight into dispatch and not miss a paycheck. Okay. Your pay is going to be a bit less, but it's better than having no pay at all. Right. So, yeah. And I think that's also why having a degree is a great thing as well, because yeah. like I, for example, I majored in economics. Yeah. Minored in chemistry and, you know, it's always a, a good backup plan if, you know, I wanted to go into something else. And I, you know, I don't think, I think another reason I love the aviation career is because of the, um, you know, as you grow and get higher in seniority, the, the, the time, the free time you'll have with the career. Right. So, you know, you're not, you're going to have a lot of time off, you know, my goal is to, you know, hopefully one day work maybe like 15 days a month or less. Right. Yeah. And then have that extra time to spend with friends and family, which, you know, to me, free time and, and time, that I can spend with friends and family is way more valuable than any paycheck that mm-hmm. I'll get, you know, as long as I get paid enough to live comfortably, um, 
the free time that I can get with any job is really means the most to me. And then with that free time, you know, I, I've always wanted to pursue maybe real estate or, or something like that. So, yeah. you know, I think being able to, you know, have that time to pursue other careers or other, um, you know, business ventures would be, would be awesome as well. And that's also a good backup plan in case you ever were to lose your medical. Yeah. And also like, you know, for people that have like a hobby that they're really interested in, like, let's say it's might be like real estate or, you know, if you, you always wanted like in the back of your head to always get your CDL or something, um, mm-hmm. go do it. You know, I mean, it's a good backup to have uh, in case you do lose your medical and you can just move straight into something else and, you know, still be able to pay your bills, pay your mortgage, you know, not starve essentially. And oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's definitely something to keep in mind as well for people to, you know, if you always had that hobby, you know, go do it, you know, make it a second business, especially if you're working like two weeks a month, you know, and, yeah. you know, you can spend time with friends or family and work on that hobby that you've always been interested in. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a career in aviation is, it's really one of them. You know, it's one of the few careers that guarantee a six-figure salary eventually, right? And yeah. also guarantee, but it also guarantees you a lot of free time. I mean, yeah. most of the pilots that I've talked to, or who have mentored me, who worked in the airlines or cargo, have, you know, their their lives sound exactly like what I want. You know, it's like you know, like, you know, go work. You know, you work 10, 12 days a month, and then I'm home. You know, I'm still getting paid all this money and I have all this time to spend with my friends and family. And then they, they also do a bunch of other things. They own other businesses and all this other stuff. Like that is exactly what I want. So it made, it made the decision to choose this as a career, you know, super easy after talking yeah. to them. Yeah. But also, you know, for those that are making the decision, you also have to keep in mind that this is a lot of time, money, effort that you have to put into the beginning to eventually get oh, yeah. to that right seat of, you know, a regional of a freight yeah. company, you know. It, it, oh yeah it, and even when you're in that right seat you know yeah. you're, you're you still, still have to work. grinding right yeah, yeah. you're not and you're even not if you're when you're in the left seat, you have to continue learning because essentially at least the way i see it is the day you stop learning is a day you should quit your job as as a pilot because oh definitely i i yeah definitely i mean i learn every day um i learn something new i swear every day as a cfi and um, I don't think i'll ever not learn something new my entire life in aviation because there's just so much to know yeah. And so much yeah. to learn about and um yeah i mean if you're, if you're not learning then you you're either bored of it and you need to do something else or you you're not paying attention enough <laughs> yeah, yeah or you're just having that arrogant attitude you know where you're like yeah right. i know everything yeah it's impossible to know everything yep it is and that's what mm-hmm. i love about aviation like i just i love always you know i'm always interested and curious about how things work or how this process works or yeah you know, why did, why does this happen? You know, I'm always asking why every time I was with my grandfather, when he, when I was younger around planes, I would ask him, why does it, why does it do this? How does it do this? Right. Why and how? And this is an aviation, like other fields though, you know, even medical field or, you know, whatever business field you're in, you know, there's, it's just a never ending, you know, pyramid of, of learning. And I always, you know, always see something new. And I, I want to know how that works. So study it and learn about it. You know, and that's, I enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, I enjoy it as well. You know, I enjoy learning something from my CFI and I learn and enjoy when, you know, my CFI learns something of doing something in a particular way. Because, you know, we all think slightly different and, you know, keeping an open mind, you know, you can always like learn something. Even if you're like a student pilot and you're like, huh, you know, I used to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, at least in Flight Simulator 10, why don't we do it X, Y, and Z? 
And then, you know, your CFI will think about it like, well, and give you a good answer. And you'd be like, well, this is why we do it in, you know, this way rather than that way. But, you know, or, or like there could be like a realization in the mind of the CFI, like, hey, this might be a different, cool, a different way to do it, but it still gives you the same outcome. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I've definitely noticed that as well, that, you know, even though I'm just an instrument rated private pilot, you know, yeah, I learn from everyone and some people learn from me as well because we just have different way of, you know, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then different ways of doing things, you know, it might maybe the way that person does it works better for you. Right. And you can yeah. change that or maybe they they understand something in a way that, you know, I see this a lot with students um, when they're when they're studying together is like one student will understand something in a way where they can explain it to another student that lets it, that other student finally understand and comprehend that, you know, and get to that, um, you know, that correlative level of learning where, you know, me as a CFI, I wasn't even able to get them there because of the way I explained it, right. And the way I understand it, because brains, everyone's brain operates so differently and learns so differently. So, you know, group study um, and, especially being able to fly with different CFIs, right? Because different mm-hmm. CFIs are better or, you know, specialized and are better at different things, right? Like, you know, maybe I'm really good at, at teaching a student how to fly, you know, at a hold and an instrument, right? Or maybe I'm better at teaching maneuvers. So being able to fly with different CFIs for, you know, with even within the same training block, you know, if you're doing commercial, if you can try to fly with a few different commercial instructors, you know, they might be able to give you hints and tricks that help them that you might, might work better for you, you know, in, um, that the the way your CFI was teaching to you wasn't helping you understand as well, right? So I highly recommend that as well. Yeah, and that and that was one of the advantages I had was when I was at my time with Blue Line was um, uh, I don't know what was up with scheduling at the time, but it worked out in my favor that I was just shifting through a lot of CFIs, um, which helped me learn a lot, like doing things in a different way, and you know, just essentially being able to more quickly grasp the concepts because I was being taught it in different ways. Oh yeah. And then like, you know, the different ways of understanding it allowed me to just learn it in different ways and, you know, grasp, you know, even though it's the same concept, it's just a slightly different way of thinking of it. Yeah. And the beauty of that is you can take the bet, you get to get all these different ways of doing things, right. Or all these different ways of learning and understanding things. And you can just pick from the, from all of those different ways, the the best way that you like that works the best and you think is the, you know, the safest or the, um, that makes the most sense to you. And then you can just stick with that and you get to kind of pick from this tree of knowledge. And I think that's definitely, you know, the best way to, to go about learning. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it, like, you know, for those of you that, uh, that are, you know, working in your private or whatever, just, you know, go fly for, for diff- with a different instructor. You know, even though you might like your primary flight instructor, you know, fly with a different instructor one time because they might, think of something that you've been doing differently and be able to catch, you know, the mistakes you've been doing and kind of keep you on your toes as well. Definitely. Even as a CFI, I've had students who've gone and flown, flown with a different instructor and they come back to me like, Hey, um, you know, the, the so-and-so instructor said to do this. And I'm like, and I think about it, I'm like, hmm, actually, you know, that's a great idea. Maybe I'll start teaching it that yeah. way too. And it's, and yeah. It's, yeah. It's just a, you know, constant, um, you know, like you said, constant knowledge building, constant learning, and, you know, and within the aviation aviation community, all of us sharing, you know, what we know and how to be better pilots is, you know, super important. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, Nick, I like to kind of end the, an episode with kind of like a rapid fire section 
uh, kind of aviation uh, related. So uh, all right, kind of kind of ready for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a whatever comes to your mind kind of thing. Okay. So, um, what's your favorite plane you've flown until now? Favorite plane I've flown until now, uh, probably the Diamond DA forty two. Yeah. Oh, what's your favorite thing about it besides that it has two uh, <laughs> The the speed. Um, I mean, just the it flies like it's on rails. I'd say probably that's my favorite part. Yeah. Uh, favorite approach you've done. Mm, favorite approach I've done. This is going to take me a second. <sighs> you can have multiple favorites. Well, I think one of my one of my favorites is probably uh, either the GPS approaches into Ocracoke. Mm-hmm. Um, that those are because you just you could break out and you're like right over the beach coming in. Yeah, I'd say that's probably my favorite. Alright. Uh, what's the weirdest situation you've encountered as a CFI? With like a student kind of doing something completely stupid. The scariest or the weirdest? Like both. <laughs> oh man. The scariest would probably be my student who are doing an engine out scenario, um, like a steep spiral to an engine out and you know, trying to make a field. And my student, you know, I, I looked away for like a second. And this is I was a pretty new CFI at the time. And I look back and the uh the airspeed was really low. We were in a 45 degree bank, probably about 800 feet above ground. And the stall arm was going off. And I'd say it was probably the closest I've ever been. And we were also uncoordinated. And that's probably the closest I've ever been to a, to a stall spin that low. Um, so I, I had to take the controls really fast and fix that. But yeah, that was definitely the closest I've been to, uh, to a student killing me for sure. Weirdest. Um, whew, weirdest. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think about what would be the weird. Yeah, it could also be a scenario like, huh, like a like trying to comprehend why a student would think something yeah, like that. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, I had a student try to um, refine a fixed gear forty ng. And he asked me where the gear lever was. That was probably the weirdest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, we're a fixed gear. Not, uh, we don't have a tractable gear. Yeah. So he was like, and gear up? I'm like, no, nah, gear stays down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's say you're flying somewhere to go on vacation or something. And uh, you're hungry. You know, what's your go-to kind of place that you want to get food at? go-to kind of place or like actual restaurant like well, like, like, like let's say you're in the airport and you need a restaurant right. to eat like what's your uh favorite place to get food at Ooh, like so i'm traveling oh, man. i'm gonna say uh usually so i uh, when i fly home a lot i go through bwi baltimore mm-hmm. i always hit the uh the auntie annie's in there and get a pretzel soft yeah. pretzel love that <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong with that no i'm sure as one of my pilot flying and traveling to the airport i'll be hitting the anti as well <laughs> yeah i mean can't go wrong with it right i don't know how uh how these pilots don't get you know 
so fat flying through these airports. There's so much fast food and good food in there. I would just be eating all day long. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, have to like I, limit I, myself. I, I, I do the same, but I think at a certain point, it's like, yeah, I need to be able to afford rent at a certain point. So, uh, right. kind of <laughs> gotta control yourself that way. Yeah, those airport restaurants aren't cheap. Yeah, definitely. I remember once someone paid like 15 euros for a salad. I'm like, that's a bit expensive. Oh my, yeah. What's the euro worth compared to the dollar now? It's about, uh, like it's about a, 1.25 uh, $1. per euro. 1. Last time I checked like a few weeks ago. So uh, that's, that's a pricey like, salad. Almost <laughs> 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's not cheap. Yeah, I mean, you can get like a luxury meal somewhere for 20 bucks. So. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's all I got, really. Uh, I have a question yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, so have you started your commercial training yet? Not yet, actually. I'm starting in the spring. In the spring? Okay. So I was just curious about how like how the training works down there at Embry-Riddle, because I just kind of wanted to compare it to how my training was at Blue Line, because they're both 141 programs, correct? You're 141? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Embry-Riddle is 141. Okay, but yeah, the, so the difference thing for people who – don't know much about blue line blue line is um you know we don't offer a degree with our training it's literally just come in zero to hero we get you all your training and you leave with your you know you get your private you get your instrument you get a commercial single and then you do your cfi cfii commercial multi um and mei so you guys though are getting a degree along with all your ratings correct uh yeah so we have um obviously a ground school like a, an official actual ground school that pairs with it. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, at the end you get your endorsement to get it written done. Um, but if you're at the point where you're still enrolled in the ground school, but you need to get your written done, uh, your CFI can endorse you for it. Um, but here we have like blocks, you can say, um, where you fly on specific days and specific between like specific hour ranges. Um, and in a way it's good. It's kind of like you have a more predictable schedule. Um, but the downside is you're on, you're mostly restricted to those days unless your CFI has more uh, availability. Um, but can, but for the most part, um, you fly on specific days and specific like time ranges and, you know, that's what you stick with. And, you know, it's kind of really hard to, um, call out sick, you know what I'm saying? You know? If you're like actually legitimately sick, you have to go to campus, you have to get a note from the doctors, you have to bring it to fly the apartment. It's a whole thing to the point where it's actually easier just to suck up and deal with the pain and just go fly, essentially. Yeah, that's not good. You don't want to fly sick, but yeah, I mean, gotta pass you that I'm safe sick. checklist, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's literally part of the I'm safe checklist, but like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of like weigh it up and it's just so much of a hellish experience trying to like get all the paperwork done just for you to call out sick. That's a shame that, you know, I'm sure there have been people that have got, got gone flying with a cold or, you know, yeah. or when they're fatigued, then, you know, it just does not, it never really ends well. So what's the, what's the average day like? Is it like you're going to go in and for like a lecture and then you fly or is it like some days are lectures, some days are flying days? Yeah. yeah. So some days I have like, um, like my classes only and then others I have classes like in let's say the morning and I go flying in the afternoon and then with Embry-Riddle um, you show up to the flight department uh, you brief yourself on the weather you collect the weather and then um, you essentially have a ramp badge 
So, you know, you get the keys to the plane and it has like a, par- a card that you swipe and you have access to the ramp. And yet you're expected to do pre-flight by yourself. And then the CFI will show up eventually um, and um, do everything. And you'll do like the activity, you know, you'll get clearance and everything and you'll come back and you'll just debrief and, you know, call it a day. So, so there's no like ground training before the flight. It's just all the flight trainings when you're at the airport, it's all flight training. Um, yeah. I mean, some days we have orals as well uh, or, or ground lessons. Um, but you know, there's no real like briefing, like with blue line. Um, that's what I, one thing I do miss from blue line. It's just like, we brief everything in the, in signature. Uh, we grab our flight bags and we head out. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, that's one thing I do really miss, um, just kind of like briefing everything at the beginning and then just going. Um, mm-hmm. Here, you, ha- you have to do like briefings, like departure briefings, like when you're doing the departure checklist and everything. I just find that kind of cumbersome because um, it kind of slows me down from my flow. Right. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean. So you said least... you start in the spring, your commercial training? Uh Yeah. Cool. Like in January, I should be uh, all set to go and essentially start doing that. How many hours do you guys have to get in commercial with your Part 141 TCO? I don't know off the top of my head, honestly. Um, I'd have to look at their uh, uh, syllabus for that, how many hours it is, and kind of look at it. And I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, you'll definitely enjoy it. Lots of cross-country flying, right? <laughs> I mean, I love cross-countries, actually. Like, every time I've done flight training, my favorite parts were solos and cross-countries. Oh, yeah. So, do they do um, Do they do they crew time building there, do you know, where you fly with another student, or is it just solo time building? Um, well, I know with private, uh, you fly with, like, another student, like, that's sitting in the back seat uh, of okay. 172. And then, like, you, like halfway through, like, y'all switch or something. So, like, you kind of, oh, like, so learn you can off watch. each other. Oh, I kind of like that. That's a good idea. Because it, sometimes it's, like, hard to take everything in when you're actually doing flying. Mm-hmm. But being able to watch somebody do it would be really – I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, and also uh, Embry-Riddle um, offers you to be an observer on any flight. Oh, really? And without charge. So, like, you don't pay enough to, like, be an observer. So like that, you can also take uh, information in as well. Wow. Um, so you probably get used to landing with people in the back seat then. <laughs> oh, actually, funny enough, I've only had one observer in my time. Okay. And, this is, and this is pre-pandemic. And you know what the hilarious part of this was? Like, this was a night flight for instrument. This is like probably like at 11 at night. And mm-hmm. like we take off and we're doing like, I think we're doing holds or something. And literally the guy in the back, like my CFII looked back and he kind of goes like this. He's like, hey, guy in the back is asleep. What? And I literally looked behind as I'm doing the turn in the hole. This guy is literally like, you know, and I I literally just did like some kind of stunt where like his head kind of like bounced against the roof. And uh, he just woke up. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, wake up, buddy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I guess so, the, uh, the whole put him to sleep. The rhythmic it was a little bumpy. Sometimes it's a little bumpy. Yeah, you can get you can put you to sleep. A little like chapel, make well, you a little tired. Case, it was, it was, there were like literally no turbulence, nothing. Really? 
and I have no idea how this guy just went to sleep. That's funny. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be observing? Yeah. So. Well, next time you're in uh, North Carolina, you'll have to come check out Blue Mine's new facility. We just moved in. This is our first, this past week was our first week operating there at uh, well, hey, Johnson I'm County, to North Carolina next week. So hook me up. All right. Yeah. Swing by, check it out. It's uh, it's gorgeous. It's state of the art. Um, geez, we just picked up like three new forties in the last week or two. I think we're at like 18 or 19 DA 40 NGs. We got two 42 NGs and we got mm-hmm. a couple of Cessna one brand new, like 2020 Cessna 172s, mm-hmm. all G 1000 equipped. Yeah. Um, yeah funnily enough, one, got, one of my old CFIs picked up one of the first like DA 42s. Uh, oh really? Bravo Lima. 422. Nice. Yeah. I did a lot of my training in 422. Yeah. So, uh, one of my old CFIs, uh, well, two of them uh, flew it down from the factory in uh, London, Ontario. Nice. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of that lately. We've been ferrying a lot of planes, and yeah, yeah. The facility, the facility's gorgeous. It's gonna have a has a uh, restaurant on top, a barbecue restaurant called Low and Slow mm-hmm. on the third floor that has a patio that overlooks the runway, and so I think it'll be actually a pretty cool destination for people to fly to to, yeah. to for, for get barbecue and. Yeah, but, but do you all still fly out of Raleigh a lot, or is it just all JNX now? We're strictly based out of JNX. Uh, starting last week, we all the planes moved down last weekend. We, they flew them down in a uh, like a formation ferry, and then uh, yeah, we're fully out of JNX. Uh, we'll go to RDU to practice Charlie operations, class Charlie ops, or we'll go to Fayetteville. Um, but yeah, we don't. We're not based there anymore. Well, that's a bummer because I always the one thing that attracted me most of Blue Line was. You have to get clearance. You have to, you know, do the entire yeah. deal with the Charlie operations from the second you turn on the plane. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that was over. It was overwhelming in private for sure. Like at first, getting used to like you know radios and operating the class Charlie. But man, did it make me like I can fly into a Bravo or anything now, and I'm my my radios were just by the time I was in commercial, my radios were solid, right? Because I had to deal with it for all all this training. Whereas the people who do, you know, look at their probably through commercial at an uncontrolled field and like maybe talk to a Delta, you know, every once in a while and they come to fly in a Charlie or a Bravo and they have no idea what's going on. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it, I'm, I think it's, I'm kind of disappointed students won't get the experience anymore and won't get the, um, you know, the radio and the, the operating experience in a busy airspace like that. But I think we're, you know, we still call up, we get flight following every, any cross country we're doing. We, we go through their airspace. We do approaches over there. We'll, will operate around there so they can get used to it. Um, but I definitely won't be the same. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that here as well, Laredo, even though Daytona Beach is a Charlie airspace, um, I, I noticed a lot of people, um, and I met a lot of people that did their private at an uncontrolled airport. So like, I can ha- tell like immediately that they're not on par uh, with it. Oh yeah. And yeah, also, radios are- yeah. Radios are tough. <laughs> and also the thing there, is, you know? is, is that uh, as well at Daytona, we don't have that much airliner traffic, you know? Right. Delta comes in like five times a day. Uh, PSA comes in like also like that many times a day. Um, but they're not, that, that's about it, you know? Um, so it's like, it's a lot of like 172 is really. And I kind of find that a bummer that there's not like a lot of airliner traffic coming through so that, you know, you don't like, so you don't get the experience of having to deal with wake turbulence, with jet blasts, with keeping your distance, making sure you know, you're tiptoe on your right. 
Exactly. Um, so much so that the other time I was flying, um, I was coming in to land on, in Daytona. I was doing the ILS 25 right, kind of circle the 25 left so I can have a short taxi. Um, I was cleared to a circle, and there was this one Embry Riddle plane that was behind me. And Tyler was like, hey, Riddle, whatever. Clear to land, 25 right, make sure you don't follow the, tra the traffic, me, that's circling to 25 left. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, uh, Roger, clear to land, 25 right, I'll follow the traffic that's on the circle. <laughs> I, I, like, I was just, like, sitting there, like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is, we did a, we have a couple different syllabuses. One is a syllabus B for students who went, did their private at Blue Line, and the other is syllabus A, commercial syllabus for people who didn't do their private at Blue Line. And it is amazing how much better the comms are for syllabus B students and the syllabus A students who probably did their private at some uncontrolled field uh, most of the time because the syllabus B students had to learn in a Charlie, right? And they, their comms are fantastic once they get the commercial and then the syllabus A students should got to teach them, all right, come on, like, you know, we got to get you to that commercial level of, you know, comm, comms communication. So it definitely benefits you greatly if you can do your training in a busy airspace. I'd recommend it. Yeah, definitely. You know, especially also go flying, you know, during the Thanksgiving and Christmas rush, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> like, uh, that's, yeah. that, that's definitely an experience that that makes you, uh, like, on your feet and keeps your yep. situational awareness in your head, like, at top shape. Yeah, that'll keep you on your toes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah. Got any last thoughts? How many hours you at? Huh? How many hours? How many hours yet? Yeah. Uh, about 200. All right. You're, you're getting up there. Yeah. So that's, so. what's he at like, what, 10 percent? No, 15 percent of the way there? I guess for yeah, the I mean, I mean closer, RTP though. is 1,000 hours, so I'm 20 percent of the 20 way there. 20 percent. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. How I'm many hours are you four, at? 440 something. All right. That's pretty decent. Yeah. So like I'm a getting third up of the there. way there. Yeah. All right, there. Nick. Well, I really appreciated you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. And uh, I'm gonna go listen it. to your other your other couple podcasts and yeah, give it all. Time I'm gonna listen to that one. <laughs> yeah. <and> I will. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I'll probably I'll be in North Carolina next week, so uh, got to yeah, swing by uh, JNX, check up a new facility if you're yeah. if you have free time. Yeah, definitely. Alrighty. Alrighty, man. Thanks for coming. Have a good on. rest of your day. Thanks for having me yeah, on. You again. too. All right. Bye. See now. Ya. Bye.